Chinese interest in Guinea's mining industry from over 1,200 cities in 128 countries. KI Africa brings you the Good Morning Africa podcast. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. The increased demand for minerals driven by the renewable energy transition has put China's involvement in the mining activities in Africa in the spotlight. While Chinese investments in Africa are significant, Chinese mining companies represent only 8% of Africa's total output in the sector. In today's episode, a call dog, managing director of Oras Consultants, explores the Chinese interest in Guinea-Conakry. What has spurred China's interest in the iron ore industry in Guinea-Conakry? So what's happening now is that China is uh, planning to roll out a large-scale investment in Guinea-Conakry in the Samadou mine, and they want to invest in the iron ore mine. And uh, the plan is that this project is going to be completed by 2025. And so what China stands to benefit from this is that they want to reduce their reliance on Brazil and Australia and find alternative means to source raw materials for the iron ore. And so the Simidu mines is one of the largest reserves of iron ore and has a lot of potential. And some of the challenges that face that potential is infrastructure, funding, and development. And China has really uh, found a way to really invest in this. Now, with everything, there's always going to be some concerns, and these concerns are legitimate. Uh, one of the concerns that many people have is the environmental, the social impact of projects like this. And so you're, when you get into the mining sector, there's always going to be an impact. There's going to be environmental, there's going to be a social impact. And so people are asking questions is, what kind of envi- environmental and social impact assessments were done? And how is this mine? How is the railroad? How are the ports are going to affect people's livelihoods, people's land? And are people going to be compensated fairly? And is this mine going to benefit the people of Guinea or is it going to benefit the political elites? And is this money going to go straight to the coffers to contribute to development or is it just going to go to uh, kleptocrats? Those are legitimate concerns that people have when it comes to any development project in the world. But as we always say, let's see and find out. Let's give people the benefit of the doubt. Let's give the government of Guinea the benefit of the doubt to do what's best for the people of Guinea. Who are the winners and losers? What does Guinea stand to benefit? From this investment, uh, first and foremost, anybody investing in your country, building railroads, building ports, and developing a large-scale mine, you're going to have a lot of economic potential. There's going to be a lot of jobs created, and there's going to be a lot of revenue that's going to go to the government. If you saw what happened with Guinea, Guinea just recently had a coup. And one of the concerns of the coup leaders was they talked about the economic and the political situation in the country. They talked about the dire economic situation that was caused by the former regime of Alpha Conde. So Guinea can get billions of dollars in investment from China. And if they use this money correctly, they can really help the people of Guinea. They can alleviate poverty and they can invest in large-scale investment projects, large-scale development projects. They can look at ways to ensure food security, look at ways to strengthen the economy and strengthen the the, the middle class of the country. So that's one of the benefits. But as always, investments. So what does China stand to benefit? Number one, China's continuous footprint in Africa, as we have seen it's done repeatedly in different parts of Africa. China has been investing in places where people don't want to invest. Um, if you look at some of the statistics and the data that come from this, in order to successfully build this mine to make it viable, you need a railroad, you need to develop the mine, and you need a port to export the raw materials. So China investing in this. China wants to reduce its reliance on Brazil and Australia. That's its primary uh, objective. Number two, China also wants to expand its footprints 
in the mineral sectors in Africa. And by investing in a large mine like Samandu, a mine that's been discovered since the 90s but hasn't been developed, China's really cementing itself as somebody who takes risk in Africa and invests in Africa. So it does stand to benefit the economic potential of the mine, reducing its reliance on Australia and Brazil, but then also tapping into resources in Africa, uh, such as these large-scale mines. And China could even replicate this in other parts of Africa. In places where people are not investing, they can go and invest, they can take the risk. So it does stand to benefit a lot from this. Is there truth in the school of thought that this project is an extension of Chinese hegemony? Does this promote China's hegemony and does this promote a modern-day colonialism by China? I disagree. I don't think this does promote neocolonialism. I think that this is a purely transactional relationship because, number one, China is investing in a mine that other people are not investing into. Uh, Rio Tonto had the rights to this mine and hasn't developed it thus far. You don't see Western corporations coming in there to invest the mine, and you haven't seen any other country interested in this mine. It was China who brought this mine to the global to global world's attention, and now you have Australia, Brazil, and other countries who stand who believe that they're not going to benefit because now China is going to be purchasing their raw materials uh, from Guinea as opposed to them. They're going to have a problem. So I think when we talk about neocolonialism, we have to look at that. Is this being forced upon these countries? Is this a relationship that's transactional or is this an exploitative relationship? I don't believe this is an exploitative relationship. I believe that this is a transactional relationship. And I believe that this is an example that China takes risks in Africa when other countries don't. So I don't think this is neocolonialism China. China is developing a mine, is bringing infrastructure, and has a business relationship with Guinea-Conakry. And a quick look at the market. The market segment is powered by the Development Bank of Rwanda. We empower you. Volkswagen and the government of Egypt have signed an agreement to develop a feasibility study on a shared automotive painting facility in the East Port Said Automatic Zone within the East Port Said Industrial Zone in Cairo. The agreement was signed by the chairperson of the General Authority for the Suez Canal Economic Zone, Walid Gamal Aydan, Egypt Sovereign Fund CEO Ayman Soliman, East Port Said Development Company MD Dr. Ahmed Fikri, and Volkswagen Group South Africa Chairperson MD Martina Bain in the presence of the Egyptian Prime Minister. Bain is responsible for the African market. The German car maker says the Egyptian government has shown interest, has shown earnest commitment to the advancement of localizing the automotive industry in Egypt. The commitment was formalized in June last year with the announcement of this North African country's automotive industry development program. The AIDP aims to foster local value addition, increase vehicle production volume, boost and attract investment and improve emission standards. Volkswagen has in turn expressed interest in expanding its presence in the Egyptian market by participating in the AIDP. And a quick trip around Africa. The annual inflation rate in Angola accelerated for the seventh straight month to reach a one-year high of 16.58% in October of 2023, up from September's reading of 15.01%. Inflation has been on the rise in recent months, largely because of continuous devaluation of the Kwanzaa, influenced in part by reduced central bank interventions and the lasting effects of the removal of fuel subsidies. Monthly consumer prices advanced by 2.2% in October, the most one over two years after 2.1% increase in the prior month, mainly due to sharp rises in the prices of health, transportation, food and non-alcoholic beverages, and clothing and footwear. Ghana's annual inflation rate fell for the third month to 35.2% in October of 2023, the lowest in 14 months, down from September's 38.1%. Still, the headline inflation remains well above the central bank's target band of 6% to 10%.
prices slowed down for both food and non-food items on a monthly basis. Consumer prices rose by 0.6% in October, slowing from a 1.9% surge in the prior month. Meanwhile, the high demand for US dollar continues to weigh on the Ghana SEDI, which has been depreciating steadily since August. Nevertheless, the second tranche of the International Monetary Fund bailout package later this year is expected to boost reserves and spar the domestic currency. South Africa's unemployment rate fell to 31.9% in quarter three of 2023, the lowest in a year from 32.6% in the prior period. The number of unemployed persons decreased by 72,000 to 7.8 million. The unemployed rose by 399,000 to 16.7 million and the labor force went up by 326,000 to 24.6%. Additionally, the number of people who are not economically active for reasons other than discouragement fell by 160,000 to 13.1 million, while the discouraged work seekers dropped by 26,000 to 3.2 million. The expanded definition of unemployment, which includes those discouraged from seeking work, was 41.2% down from 42.1% in quarter two. By sectors, job gains were mostly seen in finance and community and social services, while manufacturing, mining and transport recorded the biggest losses. Youth unemployment rate measuring job seekers between 15 and 24 dropped to an over one year low of 58%. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of The K Financial. If you have suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit the website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at The K Financial. And you can find me at Withadong.